Hey there, welcome to the Podcast Manager Show. I'm your host, Lauren. And if this is your first episode, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. And if you are back for another episode, thank you so much. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today, who is Allison Castingway. Allison is an audio engineer, and her and I talk about everything from what audio engineering is versus what audio editing is. She gives us some really cool equipment recs and how she would help a client with equipment recommendations. And we talk through her process of audio editing, which includes sometimes eight rounds of editing. So I thought this would be a really cool episode to do to kind of just talk to someone who is a real professional audio engineer and how different really her approach is than other podcast editors. And so I hope that you get an idea of what you could do and what maybe you don't need to do, right, as a podcast editor, which is different than an audio engineer. Allison has some really cool experience working on a lot of different types of shows, like fiction podcasts and things like that. And she talks us through that. So I'm Excited to introduce you to Allison. Without further delay, let's go meet her. Hey there, I'm Lauren, and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Hi, Allison. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. So we were introduced uh, through my podcast manager, Marcy. How do you and Marcy know each other? I don't know if I know that. Yeah, we met through uh, a Facebook group, Just oh, cool. and. We were put in the same podcast mastermind, and she's been a great resource. She's amazing. Yeah, and I know that she's, I agree, she is amazing. Um, and she's probably cringing having to listen to us talk about how much we love her. Um, but she also has said such great things about you because, you know, our topic today about audio engineering, she said, you've been such an amazing resource for her of learning tips and tricks around audio editing. Ah, uh, yeah, we communicate a lot. I really appreciate her, uh, the relationship I have with her. It's really fun. Yeah, that's great. And that's why you're here today is to help us who are not podcast editing. I want to say, I mean, we might be pros at this point, but a lot of us that are listening um, are new to podcast editing and maybe even intimidated by the idea even of even getting good at it, right? Maybe we have like our backgrounds are in the medical field or former teachers, like not editing, not audio, that's for sure. So, you know, we want to feel confident in our skills and have some of maybe even the lingo around audio editing without feeling like, you know, we have to go full on become audio engineers. We want to kind of strike the balance. So thank you again for being here to to shed some of that light for us. Yeah. And you know what? This is funny. I used to be intimidated about um, calling myself a podcast editor because... I'd only been an audio engineer and like such a niche that uh, it was kind of nerve wracking making the switch and just doing that in my brain. That's so interesting. Okay, so let's start with what were you doing before you became a podcast editor? Sure. So I started audio engineering when I was 19. Wow. I'm 46 now. So 20, <laughs> 20, how many years is that? 25 years or something. 
Uh, I started working doing live sound in Portland, Oregon. And my first, my very first gig was on the waterfront park in this huge festival. And I was the only one who would climb the scaffolding to love that. <laughs> I was fearless. I was fearless. And then I started to learn all of the ins and outs and um, setting up all of the stage and doing all the wiring and then learning how to audio engineer, which is when you're sitting at a board and you're deciding how and, and uh, you know, the routing and how things are recorded. And it's such a huge industry. There's so many different careers you can have within audio engineering. But yeah, I started out doing live and I did that for 14 years, just during the summer. And the company that I worked for, we did 90 shows in 90 days. So it was busy. Yeah. Yeah, And we we had a full staff. So uh, I would go out with a van and a trailer, hauling a trailer. And I would go to a park with one or two other people that we, you know, that I would kind of help uh, be in charge of. And we would, we would help put on the show with amazing musicians. And we did that all over the city. Mm, That is such a cool like first gig, right? I mean, just with live music. And I'm sure, like you said, you learned a ton. Yeah. And the very first uh, opportunity I had was actually to train with my mentor, Jana, Jana McCausland. She's still, I think she, she finally retired and I just bought a bunch of her gear. In fact, this mic used to be hers, (laughs) Um, but um, she taught a class in the winter that would prep all of us for what we needed to know when summer shows started. And I did that every summer and then help teach it and, and bring in new, uh, new sound crews. Okay. So then, yeah, eventually you started doing the teaching. Yeah. And I've taught at rock and roll camp for girls and I've taught um, a number of online classes. I might be teaching this fall, a class on analog audio. Mm-hmm. A good thing I, I hung on to all of my old equipment because, uh, that's a really good opportunity. And that's through a community college in Seattle. Love it. So yeah, so going back to what you said, where you like when you finally decided to say, Oh, no, I'm a podcast editor. Now that felt like a big jump for you. So was it because you're like, Oh, I must be missing some like, why was that such a big like mental jump? Well, I think uh, first off, I'll I'll fill in a few of the blanks uh, really quickly. So the live stuff. Okay, so I was on analog gear. Nothing was digital. You had racks of units that did all of your tricks like compression and equalizing and delay, reverb, all those things that we use to to enhance a musical performance was very hands-on. You yeah, had wow. buttons and knobs and faders and um, and then when I got a job doing dialogue editing at a software company after I left Portland, so I didn't have that job any longer, um, I saw a, an ad for an audio engineer for a, a software company and I applied, even though I had never, I had never even seen a sound wave in a box. Like I'd never. <laughs> so so um, wait, with with analog, it was all like just using the knobs. You weren't actually like visually seeing anything. No. I never looked at a computer screen or anything like that. Okay, so cool. I love like imagining that. So you were listening and Mm -hmm. making changes. It's like you're like a musician on your own. (laughs) Yeah, I always considered myself kind of the invisible band member. Yeah, totally. Okay, okay, go go on. So you had never seen like a sound wave. No. You applied for this job. I applied for this job. They showed me Pro Tools. They sat me in a chair. They showed me a few tricks. They showed me how to push play, how to stop, how to do a fade, how to do a crossfade, what to listen for, like ticks, 
clicks, pops, yeah. room noise, all that stuff. And I sat there for three hours and I edited as much as I could. And then finally they came and tapped me on the shoulder and they're like, you can stop now. <laughs> and I got the job. So. so that was, oh my gosh, that was the interview. That was basically my interview. I mean, I did have a formal interview as well with three different people. I mean, it was it was pretty nerve wracking, yeah. but um, I'm still at that job. I have been at that job for 16 years and seven months, eight mm-hmm. months. Wow. Yeah, it'll be 17 years this November that I started as a temp. Wow, that's amazing. So you yeah. said that was for a software. Yeah, K-12 educational software. Okay, okay. But then at some point you decided you were going to, yeah, how did the podcast editing come into play then if you've been working with this company? Well, first of all, I wanted to join the whole thing of seeing something on a computer and being able to multi-track. Mm-hmm. That was the next leap that I wanted to make. So um, I started record. I got a digital board finally. This is like, I don't know, eight years ago. And I started recording my shows so that I could mix them and practice moving things in time, keeping things in time and all of that. And um, I started working at a local studio and I started, I recorded an album with a band that actually with my brother. And that was amazing. Yeah. And then I had all these live gigs lined up for 2020 and the pandemic hit. And I had started, I had done a few little podcast editing gigs here and there. I edited a few episodes for a woman um, who was making a documentary that I had met through a mutual friend in Portland. And then my friend, Adrienne Gunn, who has a really awesome podcast from the hip, I started doing all of her audio edits from her video podcast. So that's kind of how I got started was I would cut it down and take out the things that didn't make sense, you know, without the visual because she's a comedian. Mm. (laughs) It was like making those kinds of judgment calls, doing a lot of content editing. And I love doing that. And I helped her kind of get all that off the ground. And she did a number of seasons. And then when 2020 hit, I was like, okay, I have no live gigs. Everything's dried up. What am I going to do? And I joined a couple of organizations that had really helped me with my career. Um, The first is the Audio Engineering Society. They're amazing. Um, I've been to a few conferences and made some. And in that transition of like learning how to go from live to digital and learning how to mix in the box. Mm -hmm. That was really instrumental, meeting friends through Audio Engineering Society. And during the pandemic, I joined Audio Independence in Radio, Air Media. And through them, I got on this listserv and I started being active in the Facebook groups. And I met people like Marcy and, you know, started just reaching out and kind of trying to fill in some of the gaps that I had in my income goals, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't even remember how I stumbled on this, but there was a fiction podcast that needed an editor and they had advertised through a listserv through air media started working for Becca Freeman and Rachel King and Rachel King founded pod people. And I started looking through gigs through there and I got on their list and did all that. And then I interviewed for the podcast editing job for their third season of their fiction podcast. And I got that job and I just dove in. So anyway, I started editing podcasts. So I have a question for you. Were you like a big podcast listener at this time? Or yeah, how would you classify yourself as like a podcast listener? A little bit of podcast listening or like podcast junkie? Where do you fall in that in that spectrum? I followed Adrienne, my good friend, and saw her involvement in podcasting. And then when I joined Just 
Ghostbusters. My friend Jenny ran Stotrup in Portland. We were already good friends through Sound Girls. So they were already like, I already had connections to the podcast world, especially in the world of like women who were doing this really well. Mm-hmm. So um, I was really intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. But I found this other client before the fiction stuff came up and I started editing for the artist athlete, Shannon McKenna. So when I started editing for her, I listened a lot. I listened to all the podcasts. I listened to the group podcasts. I listened to the interview podcasts. I listened to the fiction podcasts. And I just tried to get a feel for how things were being done. Right. What kind of soundscapes were happening? Because the interview shows that I had been used to listening to and, and hearing were very plain, very um, not a lot of sound design or anything like that. And I thought, okay, well, I can do that. Why am I intimidated by this? I've been editing dialogue for 16 years. <laughs> like, I know how to do this. So I just, I kind of jumped in with both feet at that point. Yeah, I'm so glad you did. I think that that's so common, though. It's like people probably, some people are probably mind blown that someone with your type of experience would be intimidated. But it just goes to show, we all feel that feeling of, oh, We think that it's like just classic imposter syndrome. We think that people are going to like look at us and say, she doesn't really know what she's doing. She doesn't really belong here. When in reality, we're all like trying something new or have gotten some experience and remember what it felt like when we were trying something new. So it's just what a great reminder to, to know that everyone around us is also here for the first time or remembers what it was like to be here for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we all walk around with with all these assumptions about how long people have had experience or, you know, where that experience came from when really all the experience I had leading up to that point was just perfect. It was just what I needed. Yeah, there you go. It's it's always just what you need, right? <laughs> it's the exact exact amount of experience that you need and you really can make something out of anything, right? You can start learning today. So let's talk about audio engineering and what that term means in comparison to audio editing. Right. So when you're audio editing, I think of that as like a very finite task Mm -hmm. or looking at a sound wave and you're listening and you're making sure that it's as clean and maintains the character of the people who are talking. Mm -hmm. I think that is the most important thing. And to help people present their best selves. Yeah. That's what content editing is, is really helping people kind of hone in on, okay, they have all these false starts to this answering this question. Where's the real answer? So, you know, often it's for some people, they just need to go through that thought process. We don't all necessarily need to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally. (laughs) You do want to hear it because it's funny or because there's a little quirk or, you know. Yeah. It's important to leave some of that in so that you get an idea of who the people are. At the same time, you want to make them sound smart. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to make them sound like they didn't say and, but, so, and then started the answer. Instead, right. you just, you know, clean it up. And so they just say the answer. And you're like, wow, that person really is, always has the right answer. And it's like, no, it took them a couple seconds to get there. But yes, they did have the right answer. And I would say that audio engineering is, I mean, that's a huge umbrella. Mm-hmm. It's knowing what mic to use for what instrument or what voice, or it's knowing about mic placement and how to capture the best sound you can. Mm-hmm. And then another part of audio engineering is all of the post, you know, um, people who go in and like dialogue, 
will do that for musicians um, with their songs and, you know, producers and all of these roles mm-hmm. that people play in the in the industry to make the magic that comes to our ears and make us get goosebumps all over. Yeah. I, I want to ask you a question that I get all the time, which is uh, podcast producer. So now that now that you've spent some time in the podcasting space, what's your perception of what a podcast producer is versus a podcast editor? Yeah. So a podcast producer is something I do not aspire to be. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I love being the editor. I don't even like to publish when I I take (laughs) on a new client. It's like, okay, yes, I will edit your audio. I will take as many iterations as necessary to get it perfect. But I do not want to be the person who puts it in Libsyn. (laughs) I love that. There is a place for us all. (laughs) Yeah. No, I just prefer to edit. Um, podcast producers, they have the big picture. They know all the pieces. They have mm-hmm. to get guests. They have to do scheduling. They have to know all the ins and outs of, uh, you know, what makes a good podcast, the marketing, the yes. all of that, that you all on this podcast are familiar with. But um, <laughs> editing is a particular niche that I just adore doing. I love I love accents. I love people's voices. Mm-hmm. I love doing little on the podcast that I edit now, Bad on Paper with Becca Freeman and Olivia Mentor. One of my favorite things is when they have outtakes. Oh, yes. When they'll say like, Allison, pop that in at the end, or you know, they'll talk to me during their recording. That's one of my favorite things about being an editor. Yeah, You have this really intimate feeling relationship with the people that you're editing, even though they know, maybe know nothing about you, unless yeah. you, you choose to share. But, and I've become friends with my clients, which is fun. Uh, adds a whole nother layer of, of satisfaction to my job. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, podcast editing is still like, it's still my side gig. It's still, I think I'll always, you know, rely on it as part of my bread and butter it's so fun. I don't see myself giving it up, even though now live sound is coming back and I'm starting to do shows. I had at least two or three shows uh, a month this summer. Love it. All of that is a blast. And I love, yeah, there's not any one part of my job that I would want to give up at this point. Yeah. And you're so right in the intimacy of the podcast editor to client relationship, because it's like the editor hears the client, like the way the client gets to their points. Like they're like, okay, I need to take a break. Like with solo episodes, I'm specifically thinking of, you know, with a solo episode that you as the the podcast host, you will take breaks, you'll think through what you want to say. And your editor hears all of that if you (laughs) if you verbalize it. Um, So then therefore, they're like in your brain. And Mm -hmm. it is becomes a really cool relationship. Now, because you brought up outtakes, I would love to know, like, what are some cool things that you've done with outtakes? Oh, boy. The uh, the podcast that I edited that was the most fun so far is Bone Mary Berry. Mm. It was a comedy murder story and had some really wonderful voices. Um, Sarah Highland from Modern Family and oh, um, yeah. Harvey Guillen. Oh, my gosh. He's so funny. One of the first voices I edited for that project was Lance Bass. Or no, that was Rom-Com Pods. But like when I first jumped into fiction editing, it was like, oh, this first first file I get is Lance Bass. <laughs> like, who, who am I in this little shed in Carson, Washington editing? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that, that's been really fun. But the outtakes from that show are included at the end of the episodes. And you can hear the best of the best of the best. 
Of course, there was so much that we had to cut, but there are some really golden catches on on those uh, outtakes. Yeah. And also um, back to you, you said, like, you'll do as many iterations as possible. The fact that you love doing iterations just shows that like you are committed to the final product being a masterpiece. Yeah. If you're like, I, I, I want this to be as good as it can be. And I will do as many, you know, iterations as possible. And I really um, doing the fiction editing that is just ingrained in me now. Mm-hmm. There's no end to the perfection of of those dialogue edits. Yeah. And what was really wonderful is I had the most incredible creative team I was working with. And Rachel King and Becca Freeman know exactly what they want. And I I was amazed at the things they could hear that they want, you know, the the they knew where they wanted it to go. They knew the pacing, they knew everything. They heard it all in their head way before I did. And I was listening to these actors and, you know, sometimes the, the, yeah, it's just, they would make little tiny tweaks. Like, can you just pull this in half a second or just these minute changes that you're like, oh my God, that is so much funnier. That was it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's, it, it's also not just relying on your own ears, but really working on a team was, is where i kind of find the most satisfaction in my edit, in my edits for bad on paper. It's, I know that they don't want to waste their time listening twice. So they've said, like, we will pay you, <laughs> like, just spend the hours to get it right. Like, we'll just, yeah, please. So you've, you've had clients that were like really involved in in the, in the post-production creatively. And then you've had clients that are like, nope, yeah. you just do, you work all the magic, spend time, we will pay you, you know, we'll pay you well for the time, but you make it sound as good as it needs to be. Yeah. And oftentimes I'll make, you know, I'll have eight versions of an hour long interview. That's sometimes what it takes. What does that look like for your workflow? Like, are you sitting down and running through it one time and then walking away and then like doing that seven more times? Or what does that kind of look like? So my process, I will download the files, pull them in Pro Tools. I have a template for each show that I work on. So intro outro is already there. I bring in the dialogue first I look at the levels. I listen to the first few minutes and determine like what kind of treatment to do. And I usually do, I'll do some of my noise reduction before I listen to the whole thing because it's torture for me. <laughs> yeah. So like I get out mouth clicks and I'll voice denoise every dialogue file that I get. That's the first thing that I do. And I do very minimal, like it's, those are very light presets, but, um, get those clicks out of there, get the room noise to be like, not the most present thing about the audio. Yeah. Really get those voices rich and up, up front. Mm-hmm. And then I will edit. I love to have two tracks. First, I'll listen for crosstalk. Mm. Listen to the whole file for crosstalk. I listen for crosstalk and on the way through that first listen through after I've done some initial denoising. I will also take out any words that I hear just on that first pass, any ums that stick out that are easy to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And I'll cut those in a shuffle mode in Pro Tools so that as I'm going, everything's tightening up and I'll take out those awkward pauses and the ums and everything as I go and any crosstalk. And sometimes that involves making space for someone to finish their thought before the interruption. So 
actually inserting time in the middle of the interview is sometimes necessary or borrowing from a silence that's toward the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just kind of getting the pacing right, getting the crosstalk out. I'll do that on my first pass. Any words that are easy to take out, I'll take out. Ums, likes, yes. Um, like that one. <laughs> and then uh, I, I let it sit. I just let it sit. Oh, in the meantime, I'm always tweaking. I'll have a master track where I'm, I'm going to do my print so that I make those mono channels into a stereo file. Um, so I'll lay in some plugins there that I know are going to be part of my master. I'll do a little compression there. I I use Ozone 9 for my mastering. So I'll, I have some presets that I usually know that I'm going to use a maximizer and I usually use a uh, dynamic equalizer. And then I will bounce my mix so that I make those mono tracks to stereo. And then I put them, I lay them in that track that I've prepped all of my plugins and I'll commit all the plugins on that track. And that's how I get my dialogue edit that's fully mastered and everything. And then I'll add my music and everything that's already been mastered. So you don't want to remaster something that's already been through all of that and has the correct compression. And um, Are you talking like intro, outro music? Intro, outro music, any stings you're using. Mm -hmm. Often there'll be a prepped intro and outro. And if that's the case, that's already been mastered. So I'll have that have that in a separate track. Love it. Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more, learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass, and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. That's so interesting to hear like your your process of like just listening through because I I'm like a one listen and done. Like I just go really, really slow. So and it's also interesting to think about, you know, in my community, we talk a lot about like how long it's gonna take you to edit a file. And so you can you could go potentially faster by doing it, you know, one or two times, or sorry, not one, but more, more, you would go faster through it, but you're going to do it more than once versus going slower and just do just going through the track once it just kind of depends on, on what your, your process looks like. Yeah. So on my second edit, after I've bounced that dialogue to a, to a stereo file, I'll do a whole listen through again. And that's when I tighten things up. And I've already taken out all the crosstalk. So 
take out any additional ums, likes, yeahs, ands, and ums. And um is a big favorite of so many of my clients. I oh, didn't yeah. realize how many of us use and um. So yeah, just taking all that out, tightening things up again, that second go around. And then my third go around is just checking the transition spots and making space for anything that needs to happen in the middle. Commercials to insert, all of that. So mm-hmm. that's that third pass. And then for bad on paper, I do a fourth full pass because they really want it. They don't want to find changes for me to make. They they want it already done. They want you to basically do your process of three pass-throughs and then be us on the fourth and listen with like different ears on maybe. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the goal. That's the goal is to like give them a perfect file. Yes, that's <laughs> literally what they're asking and for. And this week it happened. I got an okay. This sounds great from both the hosts. And I was like, so oh, they yeah. do they do listen to it. They do listen to it. They and listen will, to it fully. Absolutely. And they will give you feedback, but they're just saying, we don't want to give you feedback. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> and for the interviews, that's a bit different. I always get feedback. You know, there's always things to change after an interview and they don't always take that second listen. Mm-hmm. They'll trust me to make those changes. But um, yeah, when it's just them, that's when I can nail it. And it's, yeah. and it's really fun when I, when I do it. Um, there's a little outtake in Bad on Paper this week that is hilarious to me. <laughs> But that's like how you get better at your job is like, okay, can I nail it this week? And how often am I nailing it? You could like yeah. have a competition with yourself. And like in terms of hours, I've watched these arguments and, you know, the question always pops up. How long should it take mm-hmm. to edit an hour interview? Well, that depends on so much. It, does. it depends on the quality of the files. It depends on how much matching you need to do between the voices and how much noise there is in the room and all kinds of things. Yeah. And I think it has, it also has to do with what is the, what is the client's expectation out of you? Like, are they hiring you to really create this incredible file or are they, are they less concerned about that? And getting a good feel from that, from a client, I think is important in the beginning stages of working with them. Yes. I also have clients who they just want like this, I'm paying you per episode and just like make it pretty, but it doesn't have to be perfect. We just want it out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a couple of clients like that where I don't want to spend more than two hours because that's all I'm getting paid for. Right. So, right. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't do all of this for those files in particular, but I will like tweak as I go, keep those plugins in my main track so I can hear what it's going to, what it's going to sound like in its final incarnation mm-hmm. as I go so that I can make it perfect on that second pass through Mm -hmm. pass through yeah 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 now i want to i want to switch over to um equipment recommendations because you said that audio engineering also has to do with like mic placement and and getting the the best sound so when you're talking to someone who's you know a brand new podcaster and they're like oh you know they're so excited to buy that first mic what do you what like what's your like top couple of recommendations for maybe mic placement and the equipment like how do you give them the best information without overloading them i think it depends on their goals so if they want to own equipment that they can use forever invest mm-hmm. buy a good first mic don't just buy the bottom of the line usb mic that you find on amazon that's not going to grow with you as you get better at talking into the mic. I mean, there's all 
kinds of art to this craft. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it depends on their goals. If they want to own a setup, like have an interface that works with their computer, that works with their microphone, that works mm -hmm. with their headphones, because headphones are essential for podcast recording. Mm -hmm. And I don't use headphones when I edit. I have a sound treated room as an audio engineer. You know, I already had that room pretty well tuned. So I just listen at about 78, 80 dB and do my editing that way. Mm -hmm. um, I have listened through classes with Air Media with, you know, editors from NPR who say, always use headphones. Don't ever not use headphones when you're editing dialogue. And uh, <laughs> you I found a way. Yeah, there are no always yep. is, what I, is what I've learned in my 45 years on this earth, 46 years. I mean, it's just, there is no always. There's no general rule that works for everyone. Yeah. And that goes for equipment too. I've had great success. I did this huge project with um, episode 100 of The Artist Athlete. She interviewed a Russian, he was a circus performer and a coach. And he's very, very famous in the circus world. Very soft-spoken Russian man who was living in Montreal, probably still lives there. And um, they did the entire recording in the same room with the interviewer, Shannon, who was the interviewer, mm -hmm. this gentleman, and his interpreter. And they're all on separate dynamic mics. And that was key for me. Like, okay, we can do this but don't use your lavaliers. Like I can't have three voice. I can't have three tracks that have everything in it. Yeah. Yeah. Got to pick up all, all the talking. Yeah. So through sound girls, I found an engineer in Montreal recommended her to Shannon. Shannon hired her to do the on-site recording because it was COVID. Mm. Otherwise I would have flown to Montreal to do this. Um, and then, you know what? We had to scrap the entire translation track. Oh, why? Well, I hesitate to say on a podcaster manager show, but she just was not, she didn't have it. It was not a good translation. Oh, she, like she, she wasn't translating the Russian to English well. No. And it was full of filler words and it wasn't in first person. Oh, I, I don't wow. think she was a trained interpreter. Mm -hmm. I think she was someone that this gentleman had brought to, as his friend to interpret. She knew Russian. She knew English. But yeah. she wasn't an interpreter. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And they both speak a little French, Shannon and, and this Russian gentleman. So anyway, what happened was we had to redo the entire translation. And I had the woman in London, who was incredible, talking into her iPhone, doing it on voice memo. And she translated each portion of his answers. And then I stripped everything that the first interpreter had said out of all of the tracks <laughs> and made inserts of like, okay, but this is the English. You wanted to get a sense of his voice. So yeah. you can hear in the beginning that he's really present. And then we, I kind of faded him out and he's kind of underneath all of the translation that Marina did. And she literally used voice memos on her iPhone and it turned wow. out great. Okay. We are going to have to link this episode. Yeah. In the show notes. So so everyone can go listen to it. Because you said it was episode 100 of Artist Athlete. Episode 100 of The Artist Athlete. Okay. We're all collectively going to go listen <laughs> to it afterwards. So we can just hear what you're talking about. Because, wow, that, I mean, 
we need to do that because you obviously put your blood, sweat and tears into it. I did. I (laughs) so did. So so it deserves, you know, some good listens on it. Thank you very much. Yes, please go listen to Shannon McKenna's The Artist Athlete, episode 100. We're at 140 now this week, but wow, wow. Wow. So that's incredible. You you that's just man. Man, Thank and I, I want to hear how he was like quiet, quieted down. You could hear the translator. So I'm excited, excited to go listen to that. Yeah. And I got to do a little light sound design because Shannon did these interstitials to kind of explain a few things that got lost in translation. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did a little street music scenes and she did, does some voiceover to kind of explain. And it's I, I love it. I, I recommend it to everyone. And I actually probably have listened to it probably 20 times. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So then a specific question that I get often about equipment recommendations is what's the easiest way to record in person with two or more people? So what what would you recommend for that is like, you know, without having to buy a lot of extra equipment, what's the easiest way to record in person? Recording in person is tricky. There's lots of things to think about. First of all, please use dynamic microphones if you're in person because there's always going to be some kind of echo that you're picking up on the other mic, especially if you're using a, a microphones have different pickup patterns. There are settings that can pick up right in front of you. Like you're using a Yeti, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That has different pickup patterns. You, you have your figure eight. You can record on, in figure eight in the same room on both ends of the same microphone. That can sometimes be very effective, but you have to really be like on it. You have to be close to each other. You have to be close to each other and you have to be speaking directly into each side of that mic. Um, that can be very effective. And it kind of can't, you, because of the mic pattern, it can cancel each other out and you don't get that echo effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, there's lots of things to consider. What do you have available to you? Um, do you have an interface or are you plugging directly into your computer? Mm-hmm. There are fine microphones that can be effective for that, that you can plug directly into your computer. I have a little Q2U that you plug in and do your routing in whatever software you're using. Audacity is free. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the clients that I work with who have a weekly podcast, you know, they have their own practices and their own setups. And it's great if they can match, if they can each have the same setup that has kind of the same timber mm-hmm. and tone. That's always helpful. I'm editing one one show the fifth show that I've edited for them, the fifth episode. And they're just so drastically different. Like there's one woman who sounds like she's in this very echoey large room. And the other woman sounds very present and like right in front of the microphone. She's got a great sound. But the other one is just such a difficult job to make them sound like they're in the same room. Right. And and when you have like that good audio, it makes the other person sound even worse because it's like, oh, they could both sound that good. Yes. <laughs> but they don't. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people who who record on Zoom or Zencaster or something, they'll have like an, a local file and then they'll have the file that they recorded of their guest mm-hmm. that's recorded on the computer through a VoIP. And there's always problems. Mm-hmm. It's great if you can double end record. And if you're double end recording, there are ways that you can help with getting the right timing you can clap together. Mm-hmm. And so let me let me explain what that means in case someone doesn't understand. So what you're saying is, you know, you're the host and the guest, you're getting that you're recording them on Zoom or Zencaster or whatever, Riverside, whatever you have that recording. 
And maybe if it's probably even two different tracks, but you have those recordings. But then the guest is also recording their own side, like using Audacity. And then the host is also doing that. So you're, you can, you have as many options as possible to make it sound as good as possible. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you can locally record, that's always best. If you're using Zencast, you're using, you know, software or a URL that you're both recording to some cloud, there's always going to be little VoIPy things that happen. You're going to have words that get stretched. You're going to have words that drop. You're going to have some clicks and pops that come in and out with your internet connection. All those things are going to be present. They're not deal breakers. Right. Um, They can be fixed. It just takes time. So Mm -hmm. you're adding time to your editing. Mm -hmm. You're making a trade. Every decision you make, you're making a trade. If you don't want to invest upfront, you're going to pay more. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the client is the one that's making those choices and their choices are affecting how long it's taking you, right? And so you as the you as the editor, the manager, the engineer are having to deal with those decisions and say, okay, what should I ask my client to change? And some clients are willing to like do lots to make their their audio sound better. And some people are like, eh, I'm good with it. Yeah. It doesn't matter to them. It's their words. They're, they got them out. They're, it's their, you know, right. Their message is getting out. Yeah. Is that hard for you? I think each of us maybe have our own level of how much we care about what our final product sounds like. But does it bother you knowing like, I could make this sound so much better if we did these things, but my client doesn't want to change anything. Are you okay with that? I'm totally okay with that. Um, Love it. I think we have to be. My my name's not usually on it. Right. (laughs) I don't put it in my portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, it's audio and it's out there. And right. Somebody's going to listen to it, whether it's their mom or their grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Over a hundred million people and all those yeah. hundred million people aren't going to care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard, I love listening to podcasts and there are some podcasts that I've listened to from the beginning, like Tig Notaro. Mm-hmm. When she first started out, oh my Lord, it was so bad. But I listened because it was so funny. Yeah. And then she started doing projects with other people and Sometimes it's even worse and I just don't care. So as a listener, sometimes it doesn't even matter to me. Which is pretty shocking. Yeah. Yes. So I have a show. I don't want to say what it is because I don't, I feel bad that I think it's so bad. But this one person that I love her in general, and I was like, oh my gosh, she has a podcast. So excited to listen. The quality, It. Mm. the biggest thing that bothers me is that it's so rushed. Like you oh. said about adding in silence and like, at her her intro music is so rushed into the next piece and the next piece and I couldn't even listen to the show because it bothered me so much and then finally I don't know if she got a little better or I just care less but I went back and listened to an episode and I'm like you know what I can look past it now which I'm so happy because I want to hear the words right right I read a great article I think it was uh NPR some public radio outfit out there put out Mm -hmm. a an article about silence in podcasts in particular and how if you want to make your audience listen, give them silence, give them less. Yeah. They will listen harder. Yeah. Which I find, yes, absolutely. That silence is like killing at times. Yeah. There's one podcast I love. Um, it, I, won't, I won't say the name, but um, a friend of mine worked on it and 
the way that he uses music and soundscaping is just so moving. It, it can be so emotional too. Mm-hmm. silence and adding space and giving people kind of the space to process what you're saying, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Especially with heavy topics. Yeah. we right. With heavy topics. And yeah, or just like with, you know, after a really great point, like you said, give people like that second to process like what how good that was. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, it's also important to not like leave all the awkward silence in because people will stop listening. <laughs> so you got to <laughs> yeah. find that balance. But yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, don't it, be afraid of it, though. Don't be afraid of adding a pause or, you know, letting a pause be. Don't take out all your pauses. I hear that, too. Speaking of rushed, um, some podcasts I listen to and I'm just like, wow, these people have like they're not even thinking. They're just. <laughs> you know? And that's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's that's nervousness. Right. That's nervousness that comes through at times. Yeah, yeah, it can be. And sometimes people are, are like just r- really fast talkers. I am, I am one of those. <laughs> I'm worse <laughs> on my solo episodes. <laughs> Interviews, I will talk. I can, I slow myself down, but. Oh, I love, I love your solo episodes. I think those are some of the most. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I, it's it's also, okay, well, you know, you, you talked about like in the very beginning, you talked about keeping the integrity of the speaker. And I say like a lot. And I am a very fast speaker, especially when I'm excited about a topic. And so I am i don't re-listen to my episodes. I trust that Marcy does a great job. But I, you know, I wouldn't really want to be slowed down because that's just kind of who I am, right? Well, and also, I mean, in terms of audio editing, that's unethical. You, you <laughs> can't change. change the way a person sounds. That is, ooh, mm-hmm. that's like the number one cardinal rule. You do not change the 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 way a person delivers their speech or their thoughts. That's not cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And if you did that in radio, you would lose your job. But if wow. you do it in podcasting, who's going to notice? So right. it's kind of, we get it's, away with a lot. <laughs> it's the wild, wild west. Podcast, there's so much out there. It is. It totally is. Yeah, yeah. Well, Allison, this has been so good. I just like, this has been so interesting. And I and I loved hearing your story mixed through it all. This has been so good. Where can the audience hear from you or like connect with you after the show? Sure. So I'm part of the Just Busters Facebook group. You can hit me up on Facebook, Allison Castingway. Feel free to DM me there. I am on Instagram, but I share lots of pictures of my kids in my garden and people probably would get bored. <laughs> I do have some show content. A lot of my live shows, I'll I'll push out little snippets of a great show. I videoed a saxophone player playing from the rooftop of the venue we were at the other day. Wow. He was serenading the birthday girl from the roof. Lucky her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's up on my Instagram. If you wanted to follow, you could. Yeah. Well, private account, but Allison Castingway on all the places. Well, thank you so much. We'll make sure that we include that in the show notes. And I'm going to go listen to that episode that you made sound just too, too appealing to miss. Oh, <laughs> yes, the artist athlete episode. Yeah, yeah, the episode 100. Bone Mary Berry and Rom-Com Pod's Showmance, which is so much fun to work on. Those two shows were, oh, man, uh, so much work and so much fun. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to include those. So thank you so much for sharing some of your genius with us. Um, I think this has been so fun. So uh, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Lauren. 
Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.